Now, a quick word about the scripture that you're about to hear. There is one listed in the bulletin, but the fact is, I'm going to let you in on a secret, you're going to hear, I think, nine different scripture passages read. They're verses, just quick verses. They're quick pictures. They're hit, quick hits, snapshots of Jesus. Different things that Jesus said, different things that Jesus did, different things that Jesus is and was in the Gospels. So listen very carefully. Get your heads up. There you go. Listen very carefully to all of the pictures and snapshots you're about to hear of Jesus. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from the heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Mark chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up? And take your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. Mark 2, verses 9 through 11. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Mark 4, verses 37 through 41. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. Mark, chapter 5, verses 41 through 43. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Mark 8, verses 29 through 30. And the good news must first be proclaimed to all nations. Mark 13, verse 10. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Mark 14, verse 23. When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. 
You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. Mark 16, verses 4 through 6. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. Mark 16, verse 15. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. Pray with me, please. May your word become our truth, and your story become our hope. Through the words and songs and prayers and relationships of this day, we pray, God, that you would pour through us perfecting and blessing equipping us to be your people, bringing peace and hope and joy in a world that needs it so much. We pray this, pray it now, and pray it for every day in the name of Christ. Amen. Snapshots, pictures, they're glimpses into a moment. You look at a snapshot, and if you were there in that moment, it takes you back. It reminds you of the people you were with and the things that were happening. And if you weren't there, it gives you a very narrow understanding of a moment in history of something that was going on. People were gathered for this or that. Snapshots are both informative and also invitational to discover more of what was going on around the snapshot. Last week, if you were here in church on Sunday uh, morning, you, uh, you heard me uh, end the sermon talking about a pledge card that I held in my hand, and I have it again in my hand today. Uh, Angie Shai, our coordinating director of worship, um, found this in, in finding the snapshots that are beginning to grow around us in this sanctuary. And uh, in this, th- this pledge card was a very special pledge card, and it says very simply on the front of it, Clarkston Methodist Episcopal Church, which sort of catches you because that's not Clarkston UMC. Well, what's Clarkston Methodist Episcopal Church? That's its congregation in a former day. Well, what really catches your attention is what it says underneath that, which is the date, which is November 19, 1870. This pledge card is for this ministry back in 1870. And last week I told you about uh, that we could make out the last name. We're pretty sure it's Payne. P-A-Y-N-E. And so-and-so Payne made a contribution to the church in 1870. We talked about how that tied us to our past. You know, that there were people back in 1870 making pledges to the ministry that is this ministry. They weren't even thinking about us. They had no way of understanding 
what the church would be or what the world would be like or who would be sitting here back in 1870. But they were acting in faith back in 1870. That's how we ended the sermon last Sunday with an invitation for us to be the people of faith today. Also making our contributions and our pledges of time and talent and finances to support ministry that will go places and generations we are not even thinking about right now. After the service, though, I was in the back, and Mark Reed came up to me. And he said, hey, can I take a look at this? And I said, well, of course, I wanted you to show it. it." And he said, listen, do you mind if I do a little research on this? And I'm going, of course, that's great. I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea that by Sunday evening, I would have an email from Mark. That was fast work, brother. What good job. Mark sent me an email. I want you to hear what this email said that he found about this pledge card. Hi, Pastor Rick. Regarding the 1870s pledge card that you had during service today, I researched the name Payne. I found only one Payne, a young woman, in the 1870 census records for Clarkson area. Her name was Minerva Payne. Now, when you go and look at this, knowing that, you realize it is Minerva Payne. You don't see it, but you can see enough that once you know what you're looking for, it is there. So this is a pledge card from Minerva Payne. She was born in 1852 and raised in Flushing, which is a little bit north of Flint, right next to where I was raised. By 1861, at the age of nine, she was an orphan. She moved to Oakland County and lived with her sister in Clarkston and appears in the 1870 census for Clarkston. In December of 1875, she was 19 when she made this pledge. Let me do the math for you. 19 when she made this pledge. Five years later, at the age of 24, she was married to Harmon Warden in Chiawassee County. She died there four months later at the age of 23. Do you know how much more you know about the pledge card now because of that snapshot? I mean, I didn't know that. You know, I was thinking because it's an old pledge card, it was an old person. I'm serious, I did. I did. And, uh, you know, so I was thinking about, you know, this this, uh, older woman of the church making this, you know, kind of contribution. And, you know, she was 19 years old. She would not have a long life. But one of the things we know about her life is at some point, after having already experienced tragedy, we don't know why or how her parents died or how she was orphaned, but At the age of 19, she decided to make a commitment to a church. That's what I know about Minerva Payne, what else you gave me, Mark. Change is what I know about this. Do you understand? Snapshots. The more we know about an informational piece, the more we know about a situation, the more we know about something, changes how we think about it. What's your snapshot of Jesus? Now, you just heard nine different snapshots of Jesus told. We didn't give you context. We didn't tell you a lot about it. We just said, okay, Jesus was doing this, and then he was doing that, and then he did this, and then he did that. What are your snapshots of Jesus? The other way to ask that is, what of Jesus' story could you tell right now with confidence that you are accurate if you didn't have the Bible or another resource in front of you. 
the bulletin, there is a section for the sermon. Sermon notes. Oh, I don't have my bulletin with me. Can you find it? I'm going to lead you virtually. Look in your bulletin where it says sermon notes. You got it? Stay open to that. You're going to need it. Take out your pen and pencil. Whatever. On your sermon notes, I'm going to ask you to write down right now. uh, Don't look at your neighbor. And I'm not even kidding about this. I'm not being cute. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not going for the cheap laugh. I know for a fact the law folks don't know any of the stories of Jesus. Don't carry guilt about that. We're glad you're here. A lot of us really don't know the stories. That's okay. It's okay that you don't know that. We want to help you learn it, but don't be embarrassed about that. But right now, I'm going to ask you, to the best of your ability, write down, you don't write the stories out, just, you know, a word or something, footnotes, three stories of the life of Jesus that are the, man, I know those one really well. Write it down, go. And if you don't know any, it's okay. Just, you know, write down your grocery list, whatever. But just real fast, right now, three stories of Jesus that you would just say, yeah, I know that story. Go. I'm going to bring you back in five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Now, I'm assuming that, you know, you made some footnote or some symbol, something that says, okay, here are the three stories. So the question would be, and I'm an invitation I'm making for you, is later today, while you're watching the Lions, I'm not sure why you would be doing that, so you might as well make it a holy experience. Go back to that list and write down, you know, what other stories do I know? Here's, here's the point. The stories that you know about Jesus without reading the Bible at that moment informs your faith. What you know to be true about Jesus helps shape your faith, what you believe and how you act. Some people would look at Jesus' messages of healing and hope, and they would say, oh, this Jesus is a kind and gentle Jesus, and I want to be that kind of person in the world. Some would look at his prophetic messages, you know, where he's really calling people out for injustice and say, I want to be the message of God proclaiming justice in the world. What you also don't know about the story of Jesus limits your ability to embrace the full totality of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to know the whole story. And let's be honest, okay, no one in this room, including yours truly, always keeps all of the whole picture evenly, equally in the front of my mind. I'm not saying that's even probably possible. I'm just making the point, what you know or don't know about Jesus shapes who you are in your faith journey on any given day. Can, you, can I get an amen if you know what I'm talking about? Now, you know... Is that an amen or is that a, hello, I'm here. (laughs) All right, so here's my point. So the fact is, we need to be able to understand the, the snapshots we have of Jesus affect the decisions you will make tomorrow as a disciple of Jesus. And the stuff you don't know about Jesus has no opportunity to influence you or what you carry to the world. Because you don't know it. And have you ever met somebody in the world whose faith is different, whose witness of the Christian faith is different than your own? Right? 
haven't you? I have. And some of them I go, holy cow, where are you coming from? And they look at me and say the same thing. And then you realize that some of that is, is the person, right? We all interpret, even if we know the same story, you know, I'm going to know it differently. But some of it is we just know different stuff. You know, so some people listen to the stories of evangelism about where Jesus is calling the disciples to go out and make disciples, and they're rabbit all making disciples and not really heavy on social justice, for example. We just know different stuff. So maybe when we hit up with somebody who thinks differently than you do about the Christian faith, instead of writing them off or letting them write you off, maybe we ought to figure out what does the other one know that I don't know? You hear me, church? Okay. What you know about Jesus shapes the kind of Jesus person you are in the world today. It's true about other things, too. It's true about the church. What do you know about what's going on in the life of the church today? Well, if the majority of your information about the life of the church comes from a Sunday morning, what do you know about it? Look around the room right now. Literally, it's okay, turn around, look around. Look at the person sitting behind you, make them feel really awkward. Go ahead and do that right now. Okay. Some of you are now scared to discover who's sitting behind you, aren't you? All right, so here's the thing, okay? If you look around this room and you go out and say to the community, well, here's the story about Clarkson United Methodist Church, what are you going to say? Well, it's a church made of some really, really good-looking people, you know, who are generally, you know, I'll be nice, 45 and older. Some of you are under the 45, but you know what I'm talking about, okay? But if I were to take you on the other side of the building right now, you would find 75, 80, 90 kids in elementary school level going nuts, wearing pajamas and footies today, because that's what they're doing today up there, learning about faith. And if you were up in that room and you asked those kids, they would tell you, well, it's a church of a bunch of kids having a lot of fun, learning a lot of stuff, doing really cool things. Which story would be true? That's right. And neither. Because they'd be partially true. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not the whole picture. If you didn't know that yesterday, uh, there was a whole group of people from this church a lot of them confirmands, meaning ninth graders, and a lot of them adults of varying ages across the board, who gathered in our parking lot and did a parking lot prayer. I heard about that yesterday, the PLP. You know, that's what we have in the parking lot prayer. You know, before we went uptown, I mean, we went up to Flint, along with friends from St. Dan's, because we sort of think it's okay to hang out with Catholics if it's a good thing, right? You know what I do? So we partnered with them, and we went up, and we did what? We unloaded a trailer that you, co- that you filled with sleeping bags and coats and hats and gloves and all manner of things. And we lo- put them out throughout, throughout the room that we were given in conjunction with the ministry in Flint. And then we had, is Jay in the house? Jay Blimey, are you here? He was doing men's breakfast earlier, so he may not be here right now. How many were there yesterday of the homeless who were there? How many? Give me a guess. Of the homeless, how many did you have? 100, 150? No, near 195, I'm hearing. Near 200 homeless who showed up, and they were met by, like, our confirmands, ninth graders, who, who met homeless people in Flint because we think it's a Jesus thing, and walked them around and helped them find hats and gloves and coats and sleeping bags and such, because we think 
that Jesus says we need to open up our hearts to all kinds of folks, realizing they're more in common with us than not. And that if you're going to be a Jesus person caring about somebody in the cold, it's more important than judging them because how come they're there? You hear me? If you had another picture of the church, it would be walking with this woman who's sitting behind me right now, who spends her entire ministry going to people who are hurting, praying with them. She sings to them. That's why you're glad she's doing it, not me. She does more than just pray for people. She listens to what's going on in their life, and she makes connections and resources them so their life is better. That's how she spends her life, because you ask her to. So you ask those persons she ministers to, what would they say? Would they talk about a large church? Would they talk about, about kids? Would they talk about homeless? No, they would talk about someone who cared for me when I was lonely, who held my hand as I was dying, who helped my family through a hell of a time. Every picture matters. And no one has the whole picture. Do you hear me, church? When I said we were up in Flint yesterday, can I be honest? I wasn't there. I didn't go. I was actually south of town burying somebody. Because that's what I do. But I was in Flint. Because some of you went, I went. Because I was down in Franklin burying somebody yesterday, you were there. Because she was praying for people this past week, you were there at their bedside. When we talk about giving to the church and contributing to the church, you know how often we don't think about those kinds of things? We think about measuring from what we know of the church. Well, here's what I think of Rick's sermon. Or here's what I think of the music. Or here's what I... Do you understand that when I get a chance to make a pledge contribution to the church, I'm saying I'm willing to put significantly who I am right invested in this ministry because I want to be in Flint taking care of homeless. I want to be at the bedsides of people who are dying. I want to be with children who are discovering that faith is fun, but it also means opening up your heart to people who are radically different than you and realizing we have more in common than we have that separates us. I want to be a part of that. So I know we're doing our pledge campaign right now. And you've got pledge cards. And a lot of you, I hope, received this pamphlet last week in the mail. And if you didn't receive it, there are a few that's left out there. It's a great pamphlet. It lets you know what some of the things going on in the life of the church. And inside, there's one page that has like 120-some, I don't know, things happening in the life of the church. So you realize when you make a pledge, this is the stuff you're supporting. The reason I'm preaching this sermon today, I'm simply saying this. What snapshot do you know of Jesus? What snapshot do you know of the church? And that when you make a contribution, when you pray, when you're part of this ministry, you're saying, I'm a part of all of this. What is the Lord doing right now? I can't tell you. I can only begin to start to describe. And if I were to do it, I would keep you here till Tuesday. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I'm so humbled to be with you at this rich time in the life of our ministry. Next week, we're going to talk about where we're going. And if you've got any chance to be here next Sunday, I, I pray you will prioritize worship next Sunday and be here. I need to tell you some things about where we're going. And if you don't get here next Sunday, please write me an email explaining why. <laughs> and then also, 
uh, go to the website and watch the sermon later in the week because I don't need you to hear what I'm going to tell you next week. It's that important. But what's really important also is that you complete your snapshots. That's why the church greets each other on Sunday. Because I don't want any of us walking out here thinking we've got to do this on our own. I don't know all the stuff. Jennifer here is today with a congregation that I treasure and honor, and I actually love worshiping at Temple Bethel. Because we get to share faith. I worship really well at Temple Bethel. They worship great at Temple Bethel. Because we share so much in common, and I'm honored that my confirmands go there, like they go to the Islamic Center of America, and recognize how much we have in common and what we can do together. But here's my challenge to you today. Anybody here confident that you could have told all the pictures of Jesus, all the snapshots of Jesus, told all of them without having resources? Anybody who can tell all the story of Jesus without looking at their Bible, raise your hand right now. I was really scared that if someone did, I was going to have to resign and let them come up here. I was really scared about that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer this to you. Starting today, there are 40 days till Christmas Eve. I did the math. I looked three times. 40 days will get you to Christmas Eve. In the Gospel of Mark, in the Gospel of Luke, there are 40 chapters. If you were to read a chapter a day, between now and Christmas Eve, you will walk into Christmas having read two of the four stories of Jesus. Will you understand them all? No. It's not always that simple. But at least you'll be exposed to them. So here's my invitation to you. I'm making a commitment every day for the next 40 days to read a chapter of Mark and then Luke. Today, I'm reading Mark 1. In fact, I've already done it. And my blog, which you go to on the church website, go to the church website, clarksonumc.org, and go to the blog. You'll find it. If not, email me, and I'll help you find it. Go to the blog, and I've got a few things to tell you, and then I just have the chapter. Read it. Read it with me. Read one chapter a day for the next 40 days. You'll have read all of Mark, all of Luke. You have two shots at knowing the story of Jesus. And if on a given day you have a question about something or an insight about something, I want you to post a comment. Would you do that for me? Those of you who are going to do it. Together, for the next 40 days, we're going to study the story of Jesus just by reading it and have some casual conversation about it. I actually believe this to be true. If we were to do this together as a family of faith, do you know how Christmas would be different for us? Do you understand what could happen if we actually know more of the story of Jesus when we get ready to celebrate his birthday? Here's my invitation to you. Complete the snapshots. And know that none of us know the full picture. Only God does. But the picture of the church is rich and powerful. And the picture of Jesus will change the world. I invite you to join with me. And supporting the church and making your pledge, please do so in the next week or so, so we can get ready to build the ministries for the church next year. Join with me in reading the Gospels and getting to know who Jesus is, because where we're going, it's a pretty amazing ride. And you're going to all be fully invested in it. Thanks be to God.
and thank you for being here.